uh, greetings. My name is Adam Draycott. I'm part of the staff team here at St Augustine's Anglican Church in Varel. Uh, welcome to our online ministry. Uh, this has been prepared for the 18th of December, the fourth Sunday in Advent. Our sentence of scripture comes from Isaiah 45. Thus says the Lord, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. From my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Well, we know that righteousness, that word, is our Lord Jesus. And so let us return praise to him.
Let us pray. Lord, fill our hearts with your love. And as you revealed to us by an angel the coming of your Son as man, so lead us through his suffering and death to the glory of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. As we come to the ministry of God's Word, our Bible readings uh, today come from Exodus 33, verses 7 to 23, uh, John 1, verses 14 to 18. You might also like to have a look at Psalm 33, verses 1 to 9, and thence verses 16 to 20. But wait, there's more, because we'll also dip into Ephesians uh, chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 16. If you're a good Bible flicker, uh, have your finger in Exodus 33, Ephesians chapter 3, and our preaching passage is John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. Let me pray. Uh, loving Father, as we gather, uh, albeit digitally online, we pray that your spirit would work as we open up your word. Show us the glory and wonder that is your son Jesus uh, and lead us in the way of repentance and faith that we might glorify you. We ask for your help in the precious name of your son. Amen. In our former parish, we lived in Baraba, And as a family, uh, one of our great delights was to run the dog down the Glen Riddle Reserve, uh, which is, sits at the top, just above Split Rock Dam. Um, beautiful spot, big rock face on the other side of the river, a big waterhole, birds of prey, quiet, peaceful, serene, the great Aussie bush. We love it. Uh, but also, it's free camping. <laughs> and you know what free camping means. They would, it seemed like they fell out of the sky, these people, putting up tarping, pegging out their space, opening up their aluminium arcs. You might know them as caravans. In all of their glory, right? <laughs> or tents are put up, swags are rolled out, fires are lit. Pitching tents, camping, is what humans do, isn't it? For centuries, think about it. Romans, barbarians, British, Bandoans, cowboys, Indians, first settlers, pioneers looking for gold. Camping is what we do. Look at our text now. John chapter 1, verse 14. Do you see God does it too? The word became flesh and made his dwelling. Literally, he tented, he tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son. Now, who is this glory? Who is the word that became flesh? Who is the word that became flesh? His name is Jesus. You got it. So straight away, here is the God who is knowable. 
God is knowable through creation, isn't he? God speaks forth his word, and God said, and it was so, was so. Creation, I believe, is a proof of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 agrees. Since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood by what has been made, so that people are without excuse. No excuses. Look at creation. Know that God is knowable, entirely knowable, all on account of his word. And that was John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. But verse 14 is more particular because now the revelation of God is special and more particular than the broad thing of creation. Why? Well, the word isn't creating here. The word is created. The word became flesh. Do we see the big become small? Do we see God come to us with skin on? Think Got a pet goldfish? Maybe you do. Got something super important that you want to say to your goldfish? Tapping on a on the glass is a bad idea, apparently. Don't do that. Um, how do you communicate with a goldfish? You enter its world and become a goldfish. That's probably the most effective. And here in John 1, this is exactly what God does. God become, enters our world. He becomes man. He shows himself, such is our need. Which is a big deal because it means the, the guessing games about God are over. You can stop wondering, is there a God? What is God like? Is God knowable? I'm not really sure. Hello, John chapter 1. He is in the person of Jesus. Christmas reminds us that Jesus left the splendor of heaven and came down into the womb of Mary. Week six, an embryo, no bigger than an apple pip. Week seven, no bigger than a grape. Week eight, maybe the size of a strawberry. And he became flesh, which means he was cut and he bled he was hit and he was bruised, he wept, he sweated, he breathed, God became man. So God is there. He is real, he appeared, he is entirely knowable. More, the God who set the stars in place knows what it's like to be you. What else? Well, verse 14, I said... He literally pitched his tent among us. Old Testament Israel did lots of tenting, didn't they? Wilderness wanderings, camping at Sinai, they did all that. Now imagine if Sinai was his space and these Hebrews turned up. That's Exodus 33. You'd be going, what in the world? And if you remember what, we, what you read in Exodus 33, who else had a tent? Who had a tent? The Lord did. The Lord did. Before the tabernacle and the temple, there was the tent of the meeting. Imagine having that explained in the camp. You know, hey, dude, what's that tent for? Oh, oh God is there. 
The Lord God is there. You're like, well, what do you mean the Lord God is there? The Lord who gave Pharaoh a hiding to nothing, that Lord, yeah, yeah, really, he's in there. Meeting with Moses as one meets with a friend, face to face. You're a refugee. You fled Egypt. You're homeless. You're in the wilderness. You're out in the world. It's dark. And who is near? It's the Lord of all of all people. It's the Lord, the Creator. He's right there. It's incredible. And what's he doing? He's camping. Are you serious? In a tent. Literally going the journey. Walking with them. And you'd be thinking, surely God did that. That's incredible. The big became small. He did that. He would condescend and do that for us in the wilderness. Absolutely. The Lord is good and he is gracious. Now flick back because here the Apostle John says, what was true back then is true today. God is pitching a tent again. Not as a grey nomad, not as a Roman invader or a British colonizer, and not like Israel in the wilderness. No, God appeared in the flesh and lived among us. Such is his goodness and kindness and grace. Do we see that God is not distant? He is not aloof or remote or detached or uncaring. He is personal and present and entirely knowable and Disclaimer, when I say knowable, I'm not talking about the invention of your imagination. I'm saying that God has revealed himself on his terms in the person of Jesus as we find in Scripture. That is where you meet him. So don't just believe me. Look at the words of Scripture. And of course, as we open up the words of Scripture, we see verse 15 the Apostle John says, don't just believe me either. Believe John the Baptist, a real person in history who testified concerning Jesus. This is the one I was on about, verse 15. He cried, stop, look, there he is. Sit up. John is inviting us to look, to know the noble God. He's turned up in your space. And so seriously, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with it? Um, years back, someone thought the church car park was a good option for camping. Yeah, free camping again, see? And they parked their van overnight in the car park and then uh, another night and, yeah, and look, their presence is not nothing. I mean, if a stranger rocks up and rolls out their swag out on your lawn, outside your lounge room window for a few days, uh, the cool customers will go, yeah, so what? They can do what they like. Who cares? Makes no difference to me, but I'm going to say to you, but it did. Because you had to determine that it made no difference to you, didn't you? You, you were still confronted with that question. You either let them be, be the cool cat, or you give them a meal and a bed, or you turn on the sprinklers. <laughs> Or let the dogs out or call the cops. I don't know. But Jesus has turned up. And I want you to see it's undeniable. And he hasn't come just to sleep on your front lawn in a swag. He's come to live and die on a cross. 
and he has come, such is our desperate need for God's mercy. So again, I want to ask you, what are you doing with this Jesus? Because he demands our attention and he demands a right response, a godly response. But see also, his presence is good news. It's good welcome news. Look at verse 16. We're going to work this out. What does this mean? Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What does it mean? What is the grace already given? Well, I think verse 17 is the answer. The law given to Moses. And if grace already given is that Sinai moment and the law and God's appearing, well, what is the other grace that we have all received in its place? What is it? Well, what did we receive in verse 12? We received something there. Verse 12, to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who's him? Who have we received? And you, know, you already know the answer. Good. The answer is Jesus. Back down to verse 17. Who fulfills the law? Again, it's Jesus. Matthew 5, 17. So verse 16 again. Out of his fullness, that's God. So from the fullness of the Godhead, if I could put it like that. From the fullness of the Godhead, we have all received grace, Jesus, in place of grace already given. Think Moses and the law, I reckon. Grace and truth came to Sinai as Moses receives God's word, God's word and, and tastes what God is like, tastes his glory. But now in the Gospel of John, another grace, another peering, another revelation, Jesus. Again, is God noble? How is he not? How is he not? Moses' prayer. In chapter 33, verse 18, if you read it, what did he ask? He said, Lord, show me your glory. Reveal yourself. Are you crazy? That's what he prayed. And he got his answer on Sinai. The Lord's goodness passes in front of him. The Lord's divine name is spoken. The Lord graciously warns Moses, no one can see me and live. That was verse 20. But there's gracious provision as the Lord's hand hides Moses in the rock cleft, verse 22. And then the Lord graciously teaches Moses his ways, which we call the Ten Commandments, right? Which again, his ways are noble. That's, he shows the truth of who he is, and that's a, an act of grace as God gives his word. The whole scene at Sinai is filled with grace and truth. I hope you see that. Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Do you want to see what Moses asked for? Jesus, John wants you to see it too. Here is the Lord in flesh, compassionate, gracious, loving, Slow to anger, forgiving. Here is Jesus, the grace of God and the truth of God. I hope you see that. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Let me ask you again. You want to see the glory of God? 
like Moses asked, look to the sun. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things through his powerful word. Remember verse 14 of John 1. We have seen his glory, Jesus. The glory of the one and only Son, Jesus, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There it is repeated. It's important. John is saying what Mo Jesus is what Moses asked for. The very glory of God, but revealed in a new and different way. God revealed to us in a real and personal and powerful and present and knowable way. Maybe you've realized this morning, maybe you got God wrong. Do you see he's knowable? That he came to be seen and known in the person of Jesus. Born a baby. Breathed air grew nostril hair and toenails, died on a cross. God did that in order to show you the enormity of his love for you. Do you see that Jesus is compelling and undeniable? And you can try and pretend that he's not there. You can try and water him down or shoo him off with a hose. You can try all sorts of things, but there is another alternative that's much better. You can welcome him in. The very glory of God, you can welcome him in. And this is the joy of Christmas. Here is the wonder. Because you heard that the Lord tented with Israel, didn't you? You heard that. And then you heard that Jesus tented. He turned up in Galilee and Judea, that God dwelt among us in, in, in Jesus. And, and, and where does he tent now? Where does, where does he dwell now? Where, is his, where does the Lord make his home now? And, and here is the shock of Christmas. And this is where I'm going with Ephesians 3. Finally we land. The Apostle Paul prays. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit, in your inner being, so that, so that what? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Isn't this amazing? This is Christmas right there. Christmas is about being at home with Jesus. Dwelling with him, him dwelling in you. When we say God has come to us, do you really see that he's come to us in a powerful, powerful way, in a present way? He dwells in our hearts. That's what the scriptures say. He sets up camp with you and in you and through you. It's incredible. Back to Ephesians 3 verse 17. The goodness continues. I pray that you, what a great prayer this is. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, man alive. Can you imagine that? Let me say it again. Christmas is all about being at home with God in Jesus. It means welcoming Jesus into your heart. 
and letting him take up residence, enjoying a life forever changed, being conduits of God's character, grace and truth. That's who we are now. Where light and love and peace and joy and forgiveness and purpose and meaning trumps everything else. Do you know that? It means to be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. That's some Christmas, right? Happy Christmas! To receive Jesus is to receive and experience the very glory of God himself. He's present in us and through us. See again, when Moses asked God to show him his glory, well, Sinai followed, and then Jesus followed, and now, and now what, me? Well, the church, actually. That's the way Ephesians puts it. Do you want to see the glory of God? Do you, well, see the love of Christ manifest in the church. There's a challenge. To grow in Christ, then, is a great prayer. Is this your experience? Do you have a growing faith in Christ? A relationship with God that's present and real and personal and undeniable. Do you have a relationship with God such that you're glorifying Him with your very life, with your words, your actions, your time, your treasure? The list goes on. When God has come to you in such a real and personal way, such, such that you long to glorify not me but Him, to serve not me but him. Is this your experience? Let me close with verse 20 of Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. May that prayer be true for you this Christmas. Amen.
time of prayer and you know I'm going to say it what better model of prayer will you find Ephesians 3 16 to 21 may that be our prayer uh, pray that for yourself pray that for your church pray that for the Christian witness in our com in our broader community and beyond throughout the world that this would be true over, especially over Christmas and maybe you've got to do business with God as you think about a concern for his glory. Maybe there's things that you need to repent of uh, as, as you're re-centred and as you wake up maybe and realise it's not all about me. This is actually about God and uh, uh, bearing witness to him and making him known, pointing people doing the work of the Spirit, which is to point people to Jesus, I think, to testify Him. Anyway, there's lots there to pray about. Of course, in the bulletin, if you receive it, uh, you'll know those who have needs. Please pray for them, especially over the Christmas season. It's a tough season uh, for some, but also it is a season of joy as we remember God's love to us come uh, in the one we know to be Jesus. May God bless you. May God keep you. And from the Draycots, happy Christmas. We'll see you in the new year. And from the church family, uh, online ministry will be offered uh, for Christmas Day. Thank you, Matt, for looking after the mob. God bless.
in me.